Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. G'day listeners, hope you're having a fantastic day, whatever time of the day it is, whatever you're doing, whatever you're not doing, maybe whatever you're supposed to be doing. G'day Coxie, how are you? I'm well, Warwick, thank you. That was very formal. We don't normally go in that hard and that formal. Yeah, I know. I, know. I, was, I thought I'd try something different and actually get a bit of structure to our introduction, Coxie. You've caught me unaware. <laughs> well, you were actually Instagramming. I, I was I Instagramming. I'm just going to drop you in it. Out me. It wasn't just any old Instagramming. You, I'm pretty sure I saw the love hearts in your eyes, like the little emoji. Uh, That's right. Looking at our guest's Instagram feed, we are chatting to Alastair Hutton from Everscapes and Infinity Pool Builders. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> pleasure. Pleasure. Now, <clears throat> I'm renowned for not doing bio reads for our guests, Alastair. So... Um, if you were going to read your own bio, mate, what would you say? If you were standing on stage introducing yourself to a bunch of people, what would you say about yourself? How would you introduce yourself? Oh, God, that's a, that's a tough question. So <laughs> I guess my, my ethos or purpose in life relates to the business and it flows through the business. So my purpose is to reconnect people with nature through landscape architecture. Nice. So that's, that, that goes through. So if um, we feel good when we go to nature, and uh, we even, you know, bacteria in the garden or in nature releases serotonin in our body. So that's why when we go to nature and we go for a walk, we feel good, but people can't get there. So it's our job or my job or our company's job to bring nature back to their home. So that's pretty much our ethos or purpose or, I guess, mission or drive in what we're trying to achieve. I love that. You've really thought about your mission. And it's not often when we ask someone if they have a mission, if they have a purpose, they tend to be quite uh, insular in their mission or purpose. Um, So it's rare to meet somebody who's actually thought externally about what their mission and purpose is. I'd I'd love you to expand, and I'm just going to jump right in and go hard, uh, expand on how you came to that. I mean, I don't think we start with that kind of mission or purpose, life experience. God, that's a bit, a bit personal there. It was actually for a meditation. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, perfect. Nice. Yeah, it's, well, meditation and, yeah, I saw some things and I'm like, right, that's my purpose in life and that's what I'm going to do. So it was pretty clear. So I love that. It's pretty much weird. I was like, saw a tree wrapping myself and blanketing the world. So it was pretty out there sort of thing. But I'm like, right, it's hard to articulate because it's so clear at the time that you see it, mm. but then you try and write it down and journal it and you go, okay, that's, that's what mm. that meant. That's what I need to do. So that mm. was, yeah, that's how I did it. So don't normally share that stuff, but just open right up to you guys. So oh, we, we um, have yeah, a, that's how it came about. Yeah, <laughs> We have a particular mind control technique we use here at uh, Tradies in Business, Alistair. So <laughs> it's working well today, mate. But I, I have to, I have to let our listeners know that you are the first guest uh, that we have ever interviewed in six years of this podcast, who is standing up, mm. as uh, I happen to be today yep. as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got itchy bunch syndrome, so I can't sit down. So I've, I've got to be moving <laughs> all the time. There's too much energy, uh, too much energy in this little pocket. So 
I've got a deal. I like standing. I like standing. My, my wife has kicked mine too hard, so I can't sit on mine either. Can't sit on yours. <laughs> yeah. nice. That is totally not true. I love my wife. I shouldn't say things like that. It's, you it's really such a really crappy uh, habit of mine. But uh, Alistair, you, you are standing up, mate. So clearly you have a particular energy uh, and you know, you're leaning into the camera here. I can tell you're super keen to share your story. And I, and we, I do appreciate when guests are that open and forthright with us. Um, it does spark me to ask you, mate, like no, nobody I know just goes, Oh, I really need to have this great mission and vision for my business. No one does it. So how on earth did you come to that? it wasn't actually intentionally it just through the meditation it just happened and then i'm like right that's what i need to do it was just it was clear so it gives you direction clarity and yeah purpose i think everyone needs a why or a purpose and that can filter through the company and it's very important that you get people invested and your staff and your clients invested in your purpose or vision or mission um you know that is that is that is it's your massive transformational purpose you know Red mm. Bull says, you know, give you wings. Google yeah. is um, organizing the world's information, whatever it is, one step at a time. You know, that's mm. their, their thing. So when people will look at their next task and go, is it directly related to the, the company's, you know, purpose or massive purpose? You know, so that that is it's very important to have a, um, what is it, an MTP, they call it, which is a massive transformational purpose. Nice, man. So when did you develop that, Alison? When did that come to you? Probably three years, two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so that's, it's, I think it's always been there, but it was a, it was a bigger, clearer sort of thing where how we can bring nature so, to people, basically. Mm. Uh, that's, that's, that's it. And um, so I'm, I'm always interested with businesses who have a mission or a vision statement or a culture statement or whatever it might be, or an MTP, as you, as you say, how has that influenced the way your business has run, grown, um, you know, your relationships with clients, like how's that actually impacted the business? Well, it's only, only in the last sort of six months I've really opened up to being comfortable enough sharing that with people because you know, you, it's, it's sometimes hard to, as you grow, that you have belief or self-worth that you can do this. So mm. it's also making sure that I own that and and it filters through straight away to customers. As, as I'm explaining, I'm like, I'm interviewing them, making sure that we're a good fit. I'm going, look, this is, this is, this is what the ethos is. You know, this is what we're about, mm. you know, and same thing with interviewing new staff. Now I'm, I'm letting them know what this is about because it's important that we have, you know, like-minded people working for us. And also we're working with people or clients that are like-minded. Mm. It's uh, it seems like a long way from what you shared with us before we hit record. And I'm going to take us back to that part of the conversation, Alistair, where you started out at the ripe old age of 19 with an XF Falcon and a, and a lawnmower. Is that right? Yeah, it wasn't even a ute. It was a sedan, and I used to fold the mower up in the back seat. <laughs> the, awesome. drive, the driver's driver's door wouldn't open, so I had to climb out the passenger door. It used to bellow smoke, so I was so embarrassed. I used to park it maybe 15 meters up there and carry all my gear down. So I was, <laughs> when I was in, I was studying uni at the time. I was going to do engineering, and um, I didn't get the didn't get the OP score, so I went and studied arts and. <laughs> 
basically had a blood year and uh, my partner fell pregnant at the time. So I thought, right, I've got to do something. You know, my brother, I was doing part-time work with my brother who had a, a horticultural business, the Sunshine Coast. So I was doing a bit of work, you know, between uni there. And my mum, I grew up on near Wondai and we had like a, oh no, a wheat farm. So it was, it was 80 acres and we turned five acres into gardens. So my mum's an eccentric creator. So I think that's obviously where it came from, from there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I started developing the business. It wasn't long, you know, you know, built up a really amazing horticultural business. And, you know, I was 21. I was getting clients paying me $1,500 in a day for gardening. And I'm like, well, why are you paying me so much? I just, I just couldn't understand. And they were throwing money at me. I'm like, because I understood the basics of horticulture, you know, and it's simple, right? Plants, plants are really like us. We need the right amount of, you know, good water, good quality water. We need good quality food. Um, we need the right amount of sunlight and we need a bit of love. And that's it. And if you don't get those ones, we, you, it's like us, we get disease or we get sick. You know, same with plants because pretty much wants to bring you back down to the earth. So that's, you know, I use that philosophy and you look at a plant and I got to a stage where I could look at a plant and look at the leaf and go, that is missing magnesium, that is missing iron, that is, so it's observation. So it's observing things, how they grow. Um, so I think, I think I was really lucky that I started working on some of Brisbane's best gardens. You know, so I was just, as you're there looking at it all the time and observing, it gets ingrained in your subconscious. So it was like I went to a place and it was a blank canvas and then you could start to see images, basically bang, 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 bang. So you could see the heights, elevations, the colours, the textures, everything. So I'm like, all right, well, I better go study design. So I went and studied design. I didn't even finish the course. I just learned how to use um, Autodesk at the time. And I was like, right, I'm away. And um, that's, that's really how it started. Then I got my builder's licence structural landscaping and then tour building so pretty much there how how that has that developed over the years i used to be very very um micromanaging boss i used to when i was young i'd you know no one could do it better than me as all that you know <laughs> the same mentality as as everyone had it you know it's like oh and every time i leave you know something goes wrong and you know i couldn't have a holiday i wouldn't switch off uh, i was very probably anxious when i looked back at it you know very stressed you know that had things and it wasn't until I found someone, I knew someone in, in um, England who I sponsored. Uh, he was a builder and I got him over on a visa to work and replace me where I trusted him. And then I realized that there were so many people better than me, like so, so many people better than me. I just had to, you know, give that right documentation, all that vision. And I guess, you know, I call it, you know, get a tether and you plug into your back of your brain and then you've got to get that document out there so that they can actually deliver you know, use their skills, use their specialized skills to deliver that project of, of the vision that I originally saw. It's pretty rare we get a guest who surprises me, Alistair, but I think you've just surprised me. I did not expect any of this to go where it's gone, and that's brilliant. I love that, and our listeners are going to adore this story. I want to take you back to the beginning because that's a pretty rapid rise that you had and being a young fella and I guess trying to learn your craft as well as managing, you know, 1500 bucks a day is a lot of money for a 21 year old. How did that pressure manifest in the business? Mm, Yeah, it was, it was just, it wasn't until I got a business coach maybe three and a half, four years ago 
actually maybe in five years ago. And he started making me be aware of how I'm feeling. Um, and the first thing he did was made me track all my time, what I was doing, you know, how many time I spent on an email, phone call, walking the dogs, playing with the kids. So, you know, he goes, he basically goes, Alistair, there's 168 hours in the week. That's all you got. Do you know what I mean? So we have to find out how you're using them. So I created an Excel spreadsheet. We tracked it for four weeks and it worked out that I was averaging 82 hours a week. Now, if you asked me, I thought it may be 50 hours max. I didn't realize I was working that much. And then we basically, out of the Excel spreadsheet, we looked at it and we go, okay, what do you love? What do you like? And what do you enjoy? So everything that I enjoyed, I straight away, I would automate, delegate or eliminate that task. So that straight away brought me down to maybe 50 hours. I'm like, yeah, this is heaven, you know? This is, <laughs> this is heaven. This is gold. Because, you know, I think I went to Bali on Kuta Beach and I jumped on a board, a surfboard. I'm like, right, this is, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. So for, I think for like two years, I worked just enough, so hard so I can get the business so I could actually take off, you know, half a day on Thursday just to go surfing. So it was bad weather, no surf, whatever. I was in the water and I was loving it. So thanks to that one little thing made me get enough sort of, you know, momentum to actually do the things that I'd, I'd love because I couldn't do the things I'd love. It was only work and then seeing the family and the kids for a bit. I think there was a whole year where I didn't even know what classroom my son was in. You know, I was working that much. I was invested too much in the business. And I think a lot of people don't have time for themselves, which is selfish time. And I think it's very, very important. So I got to learn it's okay to do that. It's okay to do the things that you like, but you have to obviously play within that framework and then schedule your working week um, and really, really work out what you're doing and what, what is your genius and what do you love to do and really focus on those things. And that was the probably the big game changer for me. And then I started working out, well, I'm feeling much better, you know, like I'm more lively, I'm more energetic, I'm, I'm more happier, you know, all the time. And I didn't realize how much anxiety I had, you know, you know, and, and it obviously creeps up, but you can, you can deal with it because you are aware that it is coming up because you're used to living in stress. You're used to living in anxiety. So that is your normal. But as soon as you start turning the pendulum or coming back up to the positive sort of run, you're so you're living in more happiness and more bliss. And every time that you start feeling bad, you're aware of it because that's not normal anymore. Mm. That that was the big you know, change for me, I guess, mm. was doing that and knowing how then when things were it came up in business as they do in construction, it, it's challenging. We're, we're using a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts and things can go wrong, you know, and especially with our business because everything we do is so innovative and so creative. It's like, how do you process that? You know, the customers will come to us and go, can you show us a photo of that? I'm like, no, because I haven't seen it being built before. <laughs> Made it up so how do you, yeah, and then we have to work out how to build it. So every job we're working out, how are we going to build this? You know, so we have to come up with strategies. So it's a harder business to structure. And there is processes that you can obviously have systems and, and procedures, but that, those sorts of things. And a lot of guys in construction or in a creative space are going to have the same sort of challenges in a business and it's like i call it artwork in landscaping right you know and artists are renowned or creators are renowned for doing great work but not having any time management 
not having any sort of um, way of expanding that their their artwork or making a business of it. So mm. it's about trying to get the right people in the right places and the right creators to come in and do do my job and do other people's jobs and it works. It can work and um, there are a lot of like minded people out there and you just gotta you gotta know how to attract them. Fantastic uh, insights, Alistair. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you're talking about stress, like you actually didn't realize how much stress and anxiety you had until you didn't have as much. And, and I see the same thing with all aspects of health or well-being. you know, whether it's mental health, emotional health, physical health. And I see um, a, a lot in the physical health space where because things come on so slowly for us, as we get a little older, we probably get a little slacker and, you know, the beers catch up with us and the, the extra sugar catches up with us, the lack of sleep catches up with us, but we don't notice that. And until someone makes what might seem like a radical change, there's all these people who are chronically unwell and they just don't know it because they've, they've got no reference point to know how good they could feel if they cut out the hamburgers and the six beers a night and all that stuff, the ciggies. And I, I see business people just like you've language that are not believing that things could be different because they don't realize that they're actually pretty ordinary because they've got no reference point. Do you see the same thing, mate? And how do you stop yourself maybe sliding back into that slow chronic creep in terms of stress levels in business? Yeah, it, it's, it's addictive um, stress. We, we, we get obviously adrenaline rush and we, we live off that, that, that extra bit of energy and it can be addictive, but you know, there's lots of science on it. Like a deer, obviously we get chased by a tiger and then in three hours it, it, it comes, comes down again. But if we're, if we're living, if we are not, you know, like, if a worker works over 50 hours a week, you know, that's not going to happen because there's laws to it, but there's no law for a business owner just to keep working. And, and, and for, for me, like I, I started, my body started breaking down my thyroid. I was young and my thyroid starts getting all these health problems. You know, I was like 110 kgs and um, I was having major health issues when I was so young and, you know, it sort of worked out, you know, as well. It's just a lot of people in business try and strive to, you know, earn wealth, and then later in life, they're, they're trying to, to get back their health, you know, and it, they, they, you can do it both at the same time. You can, you can make the wealth and, and keep your health or even be healthier uh, than others. It's all about what you believe. And, and um, that, is, that is pretty much, much self-worth and belief, I think, is, is big things for, for most people. And saying that I can't do this all. How do we do it? Now, that's yeah. the question. How do we do this? Yeah. What was the trigger for such a big life change? Well, the, the, on the outset, it looks like a big life change, but you're resetting back to normal. What was the trigger for that? Uh, again, the, the, probably the business coach, he made me do, I think, was it three minutes of meditation a day? So I started with, you know, just basic stuff. It was like a three by, just what are you grateful for? Because again, the science shows that if we're grateful for things, it's actually impossible to be depressed. Mm-hmm. So did that for three minutes. I did a focus wheel. So basically I would write a circle, small circle. It could be any topic. It could be ease and fun. And then in the outer wheel, I'd write everything that was easy and fun in my day. You know, and then I'd go back and I'd highlight the key points. 
that stood out to me, you know. So I had a, a book and then I'll just do a small bit of meditation. And that became addictive because I was finding myself having more energy. I was finding myself being focused for longer during parts of the day. And my efficiencies in business went up dramatically. Mm-hmm. So I could start working a lot less hours and achieving a lot more because my focus was there. My focus was there. My discipline was there. And that was really, really good. And, you know, the, instead of, I guess, being addicted to stress, I became addicted to sort of meditation and feeling good. So, you know, I'm up to maybe 45 minutes a day to an hour a day. And that's my, that is my thing. If I don't meditate, like this morning, I don't know what that means, I did 15 minutes and I can feel the difference. Mm. So every time you sleep, you reset. Mm. That's why it's so important to do it every day. Mm. And in the morning, you get the most benefit out of it. So that's, that's for me has been the game changer because now I'm aware of what I'm thinking, feeling and doing at any moment. So that is, that's the most important thing. If we're, it's not so much the meditation, starting to become aware of what your thoughts are and then how those thoughts are changing your emotional state. I guess the other big takeaway from that, I think, well, I can't remember this, like, what's the, what's the magazine? It's like the Forbes fastest 100 but for australia BRW, you know what that is um there's like the biw rich list or yeah something like that so yeah. there was a, a guy three years in a row in that one and i said to maurice i said hey look advice what do you do when you have a bad day in business and he laughs at me he goes alistair we do not have bad days in business we have bad minutes and when he said that it was like wow we have bad minutes like he changed <laughs> he pivots he can pivot that quickly, you know, like it just, there's no bad days for him. It's like a bad minutes. So I'm like, wow, I get it. I yeah. get it. And that's how you become happy. You pivot very quickly yeah. and you don't let yourself spiral down to that negative state. So I was like, wow, that was a game. That one comment was like, I get it. You know, it was like the big aha moment, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that was a big changer for me as well. Uh, I'm interested to push a little tighter on that one because I think many of us come to a pivotal point of change, but we're either ready to change or we're not. And you were obviously ready to change. And that's why these big changes were able to take place and you were able to embrace them and celebrate them the way that you did. Do you know what it was? Can you really pinpoint what it was that meant that you were ready to make those changes? Mm. Probably just not being, being happy. Mm. Started, started actually work out there's, there's more to life. And there's more to life than, than being business and, and, and like doing what you're doing. And does anyone really care what you're doing? They don't. I mean, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to look at the projects. But right, at the end of the day, people, they really care about themselves. And that's, that's good. And that's okay. Mm. You know, and, and realizing that, you know, it's, it's just important just to go to be you and be, be who you are. And I don't know, just probably just meditating, going back and thinking, okay, how was I when I was a kid? What did I do? What did I feel like? You know, because that's probably the closest to the truest form we have because otherwise you have nation, you have family, friends, everyone that changes your, can influence your personality. So it's sort of going back to saying, okay, okay, who, what was I like? Remember back to maybe as far back as a five-year-old kid running around on a farm, you know, and enjoying life and running out. My dog used to go on 5K walks with my, my dog and just go bush. 
you know, and I'd observe things. I'd look at nature and I'm, that's, that's, that's where I was as a kid. I'd look at how things were growing. You know, it was, it was a great childhood because, you know, the nearest, my nearest neighbor was 5Ks and first I had to settle my horse and I was young, maybe eight years old and, you know, go 5Ks and, and, you know, you, you, it was a great childhood because, you know, you didn't have this city living. There was no rules. You're just as long as you called your parents, you know, on the, on the way home. And then, you know, we found motorbikes and it was see you later horse. And, you know, <laughs> you're on a YZ strapping around and going contour banks and jumping dams and doing all sorts of menacing things as a kid. But that's, that's how you're meant to be. You're meant to I think, be free and, and just live in more enjoy, enjoy life, you know, and just yeah. whatever is meant to be is meant to be. Hmm. Alistair you've, you've talked a lot about you know the meditation and the vision and you know back to that childhood and that sort of inner child I guess that a lot of us are craving in in life these days for people listening to this um, if, if we reference that whole idea that we don't know how stressed we are until we actually have another marker have a reference point what you said you were unhappy. What did life look like at that stage? Like what were some of the things from outside looking in that, you know, we would see of an unhappy Alistair at that time of your life in business and in life generally? Oh, well, uh, again, going to personal uh, one. So yeah, obviously, you know, business working too much. Um, love, love my kids, but I was 19 when my, when I first had my, you know, when she, my partner fell pregnant, you know, so I was going to go to Europe before that, so but you know, obviously, we do the right thing, and we 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 look to yes, please other people and do do what society thinks is right. So I kept thinking, like you know, didn't like the relationship at all, and and it was a point where I was like, well, I have to be forty five before you know, do this. So it was a question of, you know, like do I do I leave the relationship and do I get my life on track and do I get my business on track. I guess that was, I guess, the pivotal point for me. It was, yeah, as as I went up, you know, the, I call it I call it this. This is an analogy because I love surfing, right? And when you get pinned down from a wave, you can't breathe. You know, you're stuck under the water. And it's this, it's this. It's when you're, when you're with a partner, right, they are, there is like a tether. There is a cord, that invisible cord you cannot see. And as you're trying to come up from the bottom of the ocean, you can come up, right? But then you're you're getting you can only go up so much. So you've got two options: you can either go back down to the same level, or you can break the cord and get up and be free. So that that's that's what I did. I know that sounds harsh, but that was that's what I did as well. I did that, and I did the work on myself. I did the personal development, and um, yeah, focused on the business and worked with a really good business coach um, to help me along that sort of process. So that that was pretty much what I did. Awesome, mate. Um, how do you find uh, working with other people and you've got a, a sizable team? How many people on your team, Alistair? About 23. Yep. So oh, yeah. you have the, the full <laughs> spectrum of humanity, I suspect, on your team. You know, you've got all different personality types and attitudes and approaches to life and communication. When you have a particular set of beliefs as a business leader and, you know, you've done a lot of work on yourself, you obviously have a lot of um, self-reflection and you're meditating and you don't look like you're a uh, hundred plus kilos anymore. Just uh, looking at you here on the screen, man, you look pretty fit to me. Uh, how, how have you found enrolling people around you into enough of that to actually all be able to work together and vibe well? 
that's um, a very challenging thing to do, but it's it's the most important thing, your culture and your business. And look, we had, you know, for about probably three or four years until, you know, we're in a rebuild stage at the moment. So we were doing really well, you know, coming up end of last year and stuff like that. And I, I sort of would walk into work and I delegated and automated so much. I'd be like, I didn't know what to do anymore. I walk in the office and going, what do I do? So I went and started, you know, a couple of startups in, you know, the Philippines and worked with a guy in New Zealand where we did like um, remote project management. So we would time, would would have high definition cameras on site. We'd go back to a computer screen. You could watch your computer on, on thing because, you know, I get bored if I'm not, not doing something creative. And um, it's sort of a thing where I sort of delegated one too many roles as well. So it's about balancing that, you know, and then making sure that your, your business is, you can always keep an eye on it. So if you do get to that stage, you've got to make sure that, you know, you just don't relinquish too much of your power. And, and then like, it's, it's not about having control. It's about let go and control, but I guess seeing it from a bird's eye view and I think in hindsight, my mistake is that I should have kept in sales more instead of removing myself too much from it. You know, and we've had a, we had a bit of a downturn last year and I had to go back and do a lot more work. So I had to go back the last six months and work, you know, maybe, you know, two or three more roles than I was, than I was meant to. And, you know, it was hard because then I went back to 60 hour weeks, but the great thing is I knew how to manage that better. I could do that because I knew how to manage stress and I was aware when I was feeling anxious or when things weren't going well. So yeah, the last six months has been has been hard, and we're going. We're going to a great position now to really expand. You know, we've I've hired my um, dad as a full time recruiter. That's how much we're sort of growing at the moment. It's insane. So we're looking at um, yeah, getting another GM and a, and a PM in as well. So we're in this massive expansion phase again, and it gives us a chance to rebuild all our systems and procedures so that you've got a solid foundation. Because I felt that every time, say, our company was growing, we've, we've had these massive growth and expansion. We've just never had this solid foundation behind us. So you can only grow as high as like, it's like a mountain, right? So you can only grow as high and then you sort of topple. But if you have this solid base, you can just keep going up and up and up and up and up and up. So that is what we're building currently. And, and I'm excited. And um, yeah, so we're, we're launching that. And um, yeah, so yeah, I think in the next... Yeah, a couple of years on what we can do and um, attracting the right people too is, 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 is key is what you said because when you interview people and, and I work with um, Victoria Jennings who's a really amazing um, personality profile so you, you've got to understand how people work and what their right flow so I call it an analogy where you can either put someone down a river in a canoe right and they're just going to go and they're going to they're going to love it. You know, it's going to get them a lot faster or you try and put someone in the wrong role or wrong position. They've got a canoe paddling upstream. So you've got to understand people's personalities in order to actually put them in the right roles and also the right teams. Because certain personalities are going to work better with that. So it's really understanding people. Um, you know, it's understanding your clients and how, what their personalities are like as well. So understanding personalities uh, is super important for your flow of your business. Mm. Couple of interesting things there I want to pick out. Uh, first of all, I think it's a myth for business owners that we don't continually evolve in business. And you've just mentioned that in the way you're talking about expansion and how you're having to go back and rebuild your base. I'd really like to 
understand what sort of things made you realize that it was time to go back and restructure that base or, or reform the base of your business? Well, yeah, it's, um, it's a feedback, you know, your staff are really good for that. So, you know, just when you get really busy, it's hard to sit down and focus and listen. And, you know, you're doing, trying to do a million things when you are busy and, you know, people don't feel like they can talk to you because you don't have the time, you know, so it's important just to, to really listen and, and try and, and as, as business owners, it's hard because you've got still got a million things to do. And I find it personally challenging when I'm trying to talk with someone and not think of five other things I still have to do. <laughs> you know, so to listen, you know, I'm learning. I'm, I'm, no, I'm far from perfect, but I'm getting better. But listening to listen is really important. Mm. And hear your staff, not take on, doesn't mean that you have to take on everything they say, but, you know, it's also good to communicate and have, have comfort, confrontation sometimes because, you know, they might not understand what the reasons why. Then, you know, they go, well, why aren't we doing this? Well, because of this, this, and this. This is why we do this. But there's sometimes that we have our blinkers on and we're so na- like tunnel vision that we can't really open up and see more. And it's great having the staff and people around you and feedback from clients. Client feedback is really important to hear from them because they're looking from the outside in. Um, so they, they are a very good uh, value on feedback. It doesn't mean that you have to take on everything they say, but there's certain people that, that are really good in business and that are employing you, um, you listen. You, you want to hear their feedback because they've also got the same challenges in their business. You know, mm. So you've got to listen and you've got to absorb the feedback. Don't make rapid changes as I'm learning, but slowly they're two millimeter shifts each week. That, that's how you do it. It's not mm. rapid change. It's like, okay, to build a team, to build, rebuild a football team, I look at the Broncos. You're not going to do it straight away. It's going to take a 12 months or a two year process. So it's the same thing. If you're building a new base in your company, you've got to look as a two year strategy, not as a let's fix this now. Mm. Right. Sorry, Mark. Now I wanted to ask about the whole people thing. Um, and, you know, we, Coxie and I work with a number of business owners, a lot of business owners actually uh, as coaches and mentors. And one of the things that's, I've probably come to blows with a number of clients over the years is I see them try and outsource leadership um, as well as management. And I was curious to get your thoughts, Alistair, it's a bit of a loaded leading question, but what are, what are your thoughts on, on uh, outsourcing management versus leadership? Is there a difference and, and what's that look like for you? Yeah, definitely. I've had a, um, a lot of, experience we've got a, had a company uh in the philippines you know so for every key member so every project manager I'd, I'd have like a civil cost engineer working with that person so that was good because you're not outsourcing your your leadership but you're what you're doing is you're making that pa or that person as a support person to make that person look like a superstar so that's what we you know that's what we had working for two or three years we're trying to bring things back more to, to here in Australia just to get that extra level to, of customer service um, mm. for our clients. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, that can work really well. But, yeah, it's really important um, to not give your power away, especially to, you know, outsourcing that away as well. A lot of things that the business owner knows, you know, and it's, it's about getting someone like yourself asking the right questions to open it up because 
as business owners, we know the business really well. And, you know, it's important to have that belief that we can do it, but it's really good just to have the conversation because we learn by talking sometimes mm. and, and just by uh, getting the right questions asked and the five whys. I don't know if you know the five whys, but <laughs> yes. it's great. Yeah. So drilling down on the process instead of the, the problem of, uh, instead of, you know, the person, it's not the person. Why did this go wrong? It's like, why, why did this process go wrong? And then mm. you drill down on that why. So why did that happen? And then why did this happen? And then why did that get caused because of this? You know, so it's just drilling down. And that's, that's how you rebuild your cup. If your cup is, you need to rebuild it. So, Great answer, mate. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Coxie was going to jump in before and I talked over the top of it, which is quite common on this podcast. It is a bit because we can't, it's still hard to get the visual cues going. I'm asking a very similar question. And again, it's probably a little loaded. Uh, I suspect where the answer will go. But you did reference before that you need to understand your customers as, and their personalities as much as you do your team. And I'm intrigued how you do that. Yeah, so people, just a brief you know, information. So you can learn people's personalities by the tone of their voice, their language. So if someone like is a business owner like me, you're going to be talking fast. There's a lot of high energy. You're super creative. It's called dynamic dynamo energy, right? So they're very easy to spot. Um, you know, they're always chasing the shiny little things here and here and here. You know, you've, you've obviously got, there's lots of eight, eight or 16 different profiles or whatever you want to, to look at, but if you understand and pick up the, the language on people, you can also, I guess it's, it's, you can sort of relate more to them. So even in sales, you can um, understand the customer. So if they're very methodical and, you know, they're using the word how, so, okay, how are we going to do this? So you must understand that you've got to spend the time going through every nut, bolt, screw, and then how that process is going to work, you know, if, if there's someone like a business owner, you know, they're not gonna, they don't care. They just want to see this line, that line, that line. Yep, make a decision. Then they're my people. You know, I'll just, I meet with them for 15 minutes and there's a decision. But say, for example, if there's someone that's completely opposite to my profile, I would go, well, I've got the same personality profile here as an estimator. So what I'll do is I'll go, you know what I'll do? I'll get you to email you know, Roshan, I'll get you an email, you know, this person and they can, and that, it might take a month, but they're going to get the sale because they're going to get all their answered, all their questions answered. Mm -hmm. And that, that is the important thing of understanding a customer so that you can give them the, the right personality to serve them better. Does that I, make sense? Yeah, mm, totally. I, um, I've been using of late and I love my metaphors and analogies, uh, but I've, I've been using the, the analogy of the conductor of the orchestra, you know, the, mm. without them, the orchestra, you know, they could play a piece, but it's just not that brilliant um, final production that you get with a conductor, but the conductor can't play all the instruments on their own either. Um, and they're just sort of pulling everything together, all those talented people and just giving it that last little bit of coordination and brilliance to, to come up with that final product. And I see great leaders that do that. And, you know, listening to you speak, Alistair, it's like, you know, that, that conductor's eye where you're able to match customers up with team members who are going to meet their needs. And it's, you know, it just ends 
you're not on the floor playing all the instruments, but you're still there all the time and, and, you know, involved in everything, but it's just at a different level. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like you're dead right. And it's important to know yourself firstly of, of what your, what your personality is and understand yourself. Um, I, I know that, you know, I've got scored like 4% in project management. So that's not my thing. It's, it's, it's vision design and, and sales. That's what I'm really good at. You know, in the last six months, I've been trying to do project management and I'm no good at it, you know, so I'm struggling. I'm, I'm going up, you know, I'm paddling uphill in a canoe, you know, and I'm getting nowhere. So I've just got to go, well, okay, we're here now. Okay, what do we do? So because as soon as that you're busy in working in the business, you can't be that conductor. Mm. So you need to come up and above to be that conductor and see it from a bird's eye view. You really need to Put those pieces together and you know it's it's definitely doable it's just up to our belief and obviously where we are now and, and how we think right now has it has it ever been hard for you not to put down the baton and get down in the pit and pick up a, a, a double bass and start playing you know it's the old tradie thing of getting back on the tools when 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 it you know when the fires are burning and things are going to custard it just seems to be such a powerful reflex for tradies to get back on the tools as a way to fix things. Has that been an issue for you, mate? And, and how have you dealt with it? All the time. Yeah. Especially <laughs> of late, just of like, Oh, we need a guy. I'm like, all right, I can come help. And I, I get down there for half an hour. I'm loving it being back in the tools. And it's an ego thing. It's like, yeah, I can, I can do this. You know, I can do this. And then I go, really, is this where I'm best served? Am I best served doing this for, for the, our team and our people? Or am I best served doing what my flow is and what my genius is and staying in that role? So, uh, it, you know, it is hard, especially when, you know, when you've got some fires in, in business or in construction, you know, you're always going to have that, you know, it's just managing that expectation and that, that risk and, and your staff and, and, and doing that really well. Or if you're knowing you're not good, hire someone that is in that right person and that right flow so that they can do it for you because, there's always better people than us. And, you know, the, the thing is you break that belief and let go of control. Letting go is really important, but not, um, not you know, removing yourself completely, just letting go and still keeping that eye over, over, you know, over the whole business or the group or whatever business structure that you guys are operating off. Yeah. I love, I love uh, Jocko Willink's um, commentary about that from a leader's point of view of that difference between being an entirely hands-off leader and then that micromanager helicopter leader that's involved in everything. And like so many things in life, it's, it's getting the pendulum to sort of swing to around that balance point. Um, it's a difficult thing to do, but it certainly sounds like you've uh, achieved and maybe relearned recently uh, <laughs> some of those lessons, Alistair. Exactly. Yeah. I, I started off as a micromanager. Definitely. It was a, um, you know, I, I just, I had to let go. Yeah. You had to let go of some detail as well. And, and then, you know, I went back completely on the other side where I was, you know, too much too too. I've let go too much. Now you got to find that balance. You got to find where, where that. That's disappointing. High up in the sky, so you can't actually see the, you know, how the ants are moving, or you know. So you got to you got to come down to a point that is, is that is the right spot. And it's also important to be still be grounded and get back 
and understand how, how, how it is working in, in the trenches with the guys sometimes. I think that's a valuable lesson because you don't know what's going on until you actually go there and working. Well, why don't you guys have this? Mm-hmm. What do you guys need? And how can we help? You know, that, that's important as a business owner to jump down in there and actually see it for yourself and, uh, you know, understand the things that are frustrating them. That's super important. Mm. Mm. I'm interested. I'm going to poke the bear again a little and ask how this work that you've done on yourself has obviously had a really big impact on your business, but how has it changed your personal life? Yeah. I mean, a lot. And just, it's, it's great. You know, I I start work at nine 30 and, you know, if there's surf, I'm, I'm able to go surf at South Strati and, you know, it's a five minute boat ride over and, and away you go. You know, it's, it's, it's an awesome, awesome life. And um, you get to spend time with your kids and, and, and family and, um, but still have time for yourself or if, you know, if there is, um, you know, that, so that's, that's, that's all. And that's what I love personally, you know, just doing the things that you love and, and, and then also, you know, your business that you love and your kids that you love and, you know, and staff, you know, it can be like your children too. Like, you know, it's like they're a part of your extension of your family. So it's mm-hmm. also doing good when they come to me and go, hey, Alistair, you know, like, what do I do here? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm all, you can do this, this, and this. This is what I did, you know, and you see it. The people actually come and ask you and they, they want, they want help. You can, you can, you can, then you're, you got permission to give it to them and you see their productivity. You know, that sometimes they're, efficiencies go up by 70%, you know, like they're just, they're just this, like, I call it like, you know, you fill a, a bottle, a bottle up and you got the cork in the bottle and you watch them rise and you watch them rise and they get to the top so quick. It's just boom. And like, wow, where did that come from? So it's really good seeing, seeing um, the people around you grow as well, you know, mm. if they're ready to let go and um, ask for it. So it's good. It's good. But you're going to remember that there's only 168 hours in a week and you can only do so much and you can only give that if, if you're, as you said, your cup's overflowing, you've got energy to give. Mm-hmm. If your cup's half empty, you can't serve people. Yeah. So that's why it's really important to do the work on yourself. And as a leader, it's not about, it's about keeping your emotional state because as soon as you lose, you know, your temper or anything at anyone you lose, you know, and it, it's, it's just about, as you said, you know, just conducting those things and moving that and just, yeah, trying to be calm and I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm getting better. It's about an intention as well. You know, none of us are perfect. Uh, And if there's an intent to improve and progress, uh, I think that's really, really key. Uh, Alistair, I want to ask a question. Um, It's not my usual one that I ask. I think you've already given uh, plenty of, of uh, knowledge bombs today. So I don't think we need to do the thousand tradies thing, but I want to ask you the, the, the one that I've asked a few times with people, what, uh, not what advice, but what would you say to your 17 year old self? If you could go back and have a yarn to your 17 year old self, what would you say to him? Yeah, do, do the things that you want to do and don't please others around you. Beautiful, mate. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to get you to share your handles and stuff in case Coxie's got another question brewing, mate. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure that listeners are going to want to check out your businesses, your online presence and everything and find out more about the man and the business behind you. Um, what's the best place to go and uh, stalk you, Alistair? Uh, Instagram's good. So Everscapes underscore landscaping. 
or Infinity Pool Builders is the is the two main companies. Uh, check out the creative work we do, and um, yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome. And you know, I get a lot of feedback from customers is that they'll go and move their their whole business out to that space and 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 use it because you know the energy where we design is, is really good because you can pick up on that land and you can go, well, why are we spending a hundred thousand dollar entertaining area on a spot of land that doesn't feel good? So, you know, that's, that's one thing, you know, seeing it as a creator, but feeling that space mm. is really important as you start your design. So, um, but yeah, I, I would definitely check out yeah, Everscapes. Um, we're doing a lot of amazing work and we've got a great team, very creative team. Actually, funny enough, we, we profiled um, a lot of our staff a couple of years ago and 70% were creators. So it's, it's still amazing that anything gets done. So that's why we, we call ever. you know, it's, um, we, we, that's why we came up with the tagline, you know, Everscapes creative spaces by creative people, because, mm. you know, there was so many, we love doing creative spaces and mm. we have so many people that are, are high creators in the company, which is, which is good. Um, but it's also important to find the right balance between your personalities so that things can get done or finished or, or whatever you want to do. So yeah, that's a, there's so much to learn. And I think, you know, always live by the apprentices and we're the apprentices until the day we die. You know, yep. we never stop learning. It's, it's great. Yep. Isn't that the truth? Well, mate, thank you so much for your time. It's been an no worries, awesome guys. chat. Um, as Coxie said earlier, uh, you know, not to say that our other guests haven't been awesome as well, but mm. uh, sometimes we go into an interview um, usually we try and keep an open mind. Uh, if we're talking about accounting and finance, it's pretty hard not to roll the eyes and think, oh my gosh, we're going to talk cash flow again. Uh, but uh, mate, fantastic chat. Um, some incredible knowledge bombs in there. Um, fantastic work that you're doing. Um, I always have huge respect for people who have been willing to look internally for the answers um, and to work on themselves first and foremost. So um, well done, mate. And uh, yeah, we look forward to, to perhaps speaking to you again and uh, seeing you part of the tradies and business community, mate. Sounds good. Well, I'm going to go open a window in this room because it's bloody hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sweating. Uh, so we don't have that Thanks guys. Love, yeah. It's hotter here in beautiful Queensland. So yeah, yeah. lovely state. Well, mate, thanks again for your time and uh, we'll keep an eye on you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. See you guys. Time for an Audi, Coxie. Not an innie? No. <laughs> Definitely an Audi. Not an Audi, but an Audi. I should enunciate more clearly. So um, I love a guest who is willing to poke me in the eye on something and say, why not, Was. You did get a good poke in, actually, <laughs> and a well-deserved one, I might say. And because I'm the co-host and co-producer of the podcast, I can actually add a bit on the end of the episode, <laughs> Alistair, and, and share something that I didn't. And that is that I meditated uh, literally yesterday afternoon, Coxie, to when mm. we are recording this. And what that looked like for me was actually uh, I went for a walk with my beautiful wife and our crazy Labrador. Um, but we walked down to a little bridge over one of the inlets off the Tamar River. And it was just on dusk. Um, and we literally just leant on the railing in silence for nearly 10 minutes and just felt the river and the birds and the 
sand flies buzzing around and the light breeze and the fish swimming around underneath the bridge. And we just stood there and leant on the railing and just soaked it up and, and got reconnected to the creative energy that is around all of us. Mm. So I love that Alistair's interview today was about being a creative and all that sort of stuff um, in a world that I think forces us to be very um, rooted in one spot and, and stuck in some of these very fixed ways of living our lives and seeing things and being stressed and having all this money stuff and kids activities and COVID and governments and all of the crap that we're surrounded with. And I just love his thing about nature mm. and bringing that into people's lives. It's a big part of my life. It's where I feel whole is, and it, wow, that's wanky, but it's so true. Well, I not. feel whole when I am in nature, whether it be at the beach. And we had a great chat with Alistair after the show and we were talking about water and it being a whole nother dimension. Mm. And I feel very grounded at the beach. Oh, my goodness, that just cleanses my soul. But likewise, I don't live at the beach, unfortunately. One day I'll get there. Right now I live in a suburban area, but I have an oasis in my backyard and it is my happy place. I have a running stream. I have all of the things that I need to keep me grounded and centered uh, for me to be able to function and do what we do every day. I need a space to get back and connect rather than being rooted in my office on my chair, <laughs> looking at my screen with a ring light in my eyes. Yes. It's a big difference, isn't it? It is, and it was a fantastic interview. Uh, really grateful for the hookup with Alistair. Um, and I'm, I'm always very impressed with men uh, who take the, the time and the self-reflection to tap into the feminine energy and tap into that flow. And, and he used that word a few times, uh, and that comes from a particular um, – uh, thinker and um, thought leader in the world, um, guy by the name of Roger Hamilton, who uh, has shared some amazing stuff with um, business people and just people in general who are striving to improve and progress. Um, but that idea of being in flow, it's a very fluid feminine concept and a very feminine energy. And I think it's, it's a critical aspect for us blokes to be willing to be open to that at times in our lives and to, to make that a part of how we actually run our businesses and do our thing because all feminine energy or all masculine energy, neither of those actually is, is regenerative and, um, you know, sustainable in the long term. So I love to talk to guys who have embraced meditation and, and flow and some of these other concepts that when added to that strength and drive and determination that a lot of tradie men have naturally just makes for that well-rounded uh, business and family and everything else. So um, fantastic chat, Coxie. I, I really uh, enjoyed that. Thanks again to you, Alistair. If you listen to this, if you get through a whole episode this time, you'll hear me say that. Uh, <laughs> and and look, they are conversations that we have a lot with our members, Coxie. Hmm. Um, I'm making a phone call uh, very shortly to chat to a member. And um, we're talking to a lot of people um, in our, our client base about more than just spreadsheets and uh, procedural manuals. So hmm. if you're listening to this and you're finding business a little um, rooted in habit and 
fight and uh, stress and overwhelm and some of those things doesn't have to be critical, but you know, maybe it's just chronic levels of dissatisfaction in your business. Get in touch with us, go hit the website. Um, you'll see a, a link on there in the menu to get help. Now you can find out all the ways you can actually link up with us, whether that's part of our, our free community um, where you can get a little bit more of us right through to working with us in our small groups or even one-on-one and having Coxie and I on your business team and actually on your personal team and there in your corner. Um, give us a shout if you need some help. Um, there's all sorts of cliches I could uh, say around that, but otherwise, fantastic episode today, Coxie. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.